you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. That was so good. It's like 50%. Let's act like you love Jesus real loud on this one. Good morning, Movement Church. There it is. That's why second service is my favorite service of all that we do, tied with first. So that's like absolutely my favorite. Listen, I'm so glad that you're with us today. I'm feeling a little feisty, so if it's your first time, don't hold it against me. Let's just have some fun. We're starting a brand new series today that really is kind of just unpacking the heartbeat of who we are as a church and and how you belong. From the beginning of this whole movement, we decided not to be a country club for Christians where people just kind of punch in and punch out with the church clock and their faith is limited to a Sunday morning between 9 and 12 p.m. And, and that's just kind of the summary of who I am and who Jesus is in my life. But no, we actually believe that God called us to make a tangible, practical difference in the region that we live in. Now, if you're here today and you say, I'm not, I don't know where I stand with faith and how I feel about Jesus, then you have permission not to believe. But if today you're here and you say, I'm a Christ follower, whether or not you're perfect is irrelevant, whether or not you've got everything figured out or how many Bible verses you know by memory is irrelevant. But if you're here today and you say, I am a Christ follower, then my challenge to you would be to make this life amazing by living it by what you believe. In fact, the word belief means to live. To live. So to say that I believe in Jesus means that I should live a life that is reflective of that. And that is what the movement church was, be, was created for. Not so that we can just add another church to the spiritual fabric of Orange County. But no, rather that we could add a movement that is more than a church. But a movement that affects the spiritual fabric of the county that we live in. And so this began as a dream in 2006 in the heart of my wife and I. But as we began to grow and as we began to pursue what God was doing, people came around, many of them are you, seated in the seats today, and just said, I want to make my life count for something. We exist for one reason and one reason alone, not to make everybody feel good, not so that we can have awesome donuts as we celebrate our anniversary, but we exist for one reason, to inspire the one who's far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. And there are a few phrases within that statement that are extremely important. Number one is we exist. In other words, nothing else that matters except for that very statement. We don't do great music for the sake of hearing great music, but we do great music with the hope that it inspires the one who's far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. Another statement that is essential in that phrase is the one. We didn't say we exist to inspire the masses. We didn't say we exist to inspire a specific city We said we exist to inspire the one, the individual, one person at a time who needs to know the hope of who Jesus is and needs to know that there is a future and that the greatest season and days of their life are yet ahead of them, the one. Because we believe that if we can make a difference in the life of one, we earn the right to speak into the masses. And my friends, that's important because we live in a county of 3.2 million people. And you know that because you drive the 5 and the 405 in your commute to work every day. And of those 3.2 million people lean in for just a moment, only 10% actually attend church. Which means only 10% probably really understand the hope that is found in Jesus. So we exist to inspire the one who's far from God 
far from God, meaning those that just are far from Him. Need an extra touch of who He is. That could be you. It maybe has been you at one point in time. The one who's far from God to find life in Christ because, my friends, there is no life apart from Christ. And if you're here and you don't believe, you have permission not to believe, but I, at the core of who I am, believe that the greatest life is attached to a surrender to Jesus. And not only that, but life in the church. I believe that the greatest days of your life are attached to what God is doing through the local church. And that community is everything. We say all the time at the Movement Church that church happens between Sundays. That's the bread and butter. That is when church is good. When we sit down over coffee and food to talk about life, the things that we're going through that are exciting, the things that we're going through that are challenging, that's when church takes place. Sunday morning is merely a pep rally and a party. Parting about what God did in our life the week before and a pep rally getting excited for the week to come, but church happens between Sundays when we do life together. In fact, today you get a sneak peek at how we do life together. They're called connect groups, and when you leave, our connect group leaders will be lined up inviting you to their group. Why? Because it's amazing, yes, and because the greatest season of your life is attached to somebody that you do life with, with a purpose, with a mission. Are y'all tracking with me today? That's why we exist, and today we start a series that embodies the heartbeat behind this. We exist to inspire the one who's far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church, and we will not stop that until all have heard. We didn't start the movement church so that there's a bookend in 10 years or 15 years or 30 years that we close the doors of this great church. We're not a church that's bound by the building that we reside in Sunday to Sunday, but we're building a church for your children's children's children to attend until all have heard. You see, that sounds impossible, Pastor Kerry. That's okay. We're all idealists around here, and we would rather aim for the stars and miss than aim for a pile of doo-doo and hit it. Can I get an amen <laughs> in this church today? So we'll keep doing church. We'll keep reaching the hurting both locally and globally. We'll keep doing connect groups. We'll keep growing in our spiritual walk until all have heard. So my challenge on this fourth anniversary as we cross a monumental boundary from the fourth into the fifth year, my challenge would be to you, don't be a spectator but be a participator. You could sit in the seats of the movement church for the rest of your life and just be a spectator and you'll be fine, but you'll never be great because the greatest days and season of your life is ahead of you saying yes to what God has for you. And you could sit in the seats of the movement church, be it at the Kaleidoscope Theater, Serrano Intermediate, or wherever we will be in the future, and just be a spectator, and the movement church will be okay. But it will never be great. Because you have something the movement church doesn't have yet, so don't be a spectator, but let's actually do what we say. If you're a Christ follower in this place today, if you believe, then live it. It's challenging sometimes. It requires a sacrifice, and sometimes it's scary. But man, our life actually counts for something. 
And my challenge would be to jump in this journey with us and let's live this life until all have heard. Immediately following the service, we'll give you some practical steps to take as we do in everything because we don't want to just be inspiration, motivation, but no practicals. So as you leave today, before you meet the potential connect group leader that you'll attend, we're going to give you a few things. Number one, we're going to give you a few invitations that look like this. Because the one who's far from God is quite possibly your neighbor or the coworker that's two cubicles down or maybe a family member that you know needs to know who Jesus is. We're going to give you a few invitations. It's just very simple. On the back, it's got all the things that we're doing on October 16th. We're going to give you these so you can hand them to your friend. We're going to give you a, a, a bracelet. It's a penny for one. And on it is stamped till all have heard. A little leather strap. You can tie it to your wrist, put it on a keychain, wear it around your necklace. This is not some gimmicky fad like a what would Jesus do bracelet that makes you feel like a really good Christian. <laughs> this is a reminder that the one who's far from God is probably your neighbor, your coworker, the student that sits next to you at Saddleback College in that class that you don't want to go to. And I think if we can work together, we can do this. And finally, the last thing is I, I challenge you starting next weekend to jump into 21 days of prayer with us. If you don't know how to pray, it's okay. We're going to show you a few simple prayers to pray and a scripture to read, but every great move of God is always preceded by a great move of prayer. So jump in this journey with us, not for my sake, for the sake of the movement church itself, but for the sake of what God wants to do with 2.7 million people in our county. And let's do this until all have heard. Can I get a very churchy amen from some people in here? I want to read a passage and I'll jump in today. I'm challenging myself to preach this message in 25 minutes. It feels nigh impossible. I'm kind of an idealist. But maybe if you listen fast and laugh loud, I can preach faster. Would you... Turn your attention to the screens. If you didn't bring your Bible, we've got it for you. If you don't have a smartphone, I'm praying for you, but you can get an app called YouVersion and read along with us if you'd like. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. This is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Again, if you're here and you're new to faith, permission not to believe. The scripture says this, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. When I have a son, I'm naming him Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Somebody say caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, which means the morning, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 5, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The title of my message today is Shadows. Shadows. Somebody say shadows. shadows. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're in this place and we acknowledge that. We're not here just to gather. We're here to refocus our attention on who you are and to give you permission to rearrange the proverbial furniture of our lives. 
We don't want to leave the same. We don't want to leave mundane. We want to experience the miraculous. So God, we invite you with willing hearts to do what you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I actually want to unpack one verse that I read just a few weeks ago. One of the things that my wife and I do on a consistent basis, when I say consistent, is literally almost every morning, even Sunday mornings, every morning, we wake up very early before uh, a creature is stirring in our home, and we put on some good music, and shortly we'll actually be able to put on the Movement Church CD, which will be awesome. That's my dance move right there. And uh, we get our coffee, and it's like brewed to perfection. Can anybody else say an amen for coffee in this place? No matter what you believe, you can say amen for coffee. And uh, we, we read our Bible, and sometimes we read a few verses, sometimes we read chapters, uh, Megan's a fast reader, so she can read exponentially fast. I'm a slow reader, so I, it's like a couple verses sometimes. And then we pray. And, and it, sometimes it's just simple prayers like, God, we just really need you to be real today. Or I'm, I don't have the strength to be the husband I need to be or want to be, God, but I need you. And we just ask God to kind of illuminate what he wants to do in our lives. And along the way, every time we read the Bible, because the Bible is really God's journal for your life from him to you. It's the only book that you can read that the author sits next to you as you read and leans in and says, I wrote that for you. So every time I read the Bible, I just think, man, there are people in other countries who it is illegal for them to hold a Bible. What a privilege to have it on my phone with such simplicity. So God, today, would you just speak to me through the word? And I was reading this passage of scripture, one verse, and it jumped off the pages at me, made my heart leap, if you will, found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. I want to just share a few thoughts with you today and see how this correlates till all have heard. Matthew 4, verse 16, it simply says this, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Would you leave that up for just one moment, tech team? The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. It's interesting, this concept of darkness, isn't it? Like, what is darkness? So often in scripture, darkness is referred to a spiritual or moral state, but we get this. We understand the concept uh, and the correlation with dark and evil, light and good. You, we do get this. And so, I mean, even George Lucas, I, I, in the first service I said Empire Strikes Back, but one of my nerdy friends came up and said, actually, it's Return of the Jedi. No, he didn't say that. A good <laughs> friend of mine. He helped correct me. But in, in Return of the Jedi, I believe, uh, George Lucas depicts this battle, this, this contradiction going on inside of Luke. And we have this image for you today. And it's Half of Luke's face is in the light and half of Luke's face is covered by the shadow and he's wrestling with the tension between the force and the dark side. We get this. And for those of you that are millennials that don't refer to these as the real Star Wars, let me illustrate it in a better way. How many of you have seen The Lion King? Anyone? Hands up? Yes? Two of you. Can you feel the love tonight? Come on. It is where... Any Elton John fans out there? We just took it away from millennials. Sorry, guys. We'll bring it right back. And remember Simba and Mufasa. Ooh, say it again. Sit up on top of Pride Rock, and they look out over 
the land before them and Mufasa, that amazing, anytime James Earl Jones, whoa, connection, Darth Vader, James Earl Jones, Mufasa, whoa, mind blown, Mufasa's talking to Simba and he's saying, everything the light touches is our kingdom. And where the shadow is, is not ours. And Simba says, what's in the shadows? We have another picture, and all of you, of course, know the elephant graveyard. Isn't it interesting that even Disney understands the conflict within us? Simba, who was the heir to the throne, is still intrigued by the darkness. The darkness. There's this inner dichotomy and this challenge in relation to the darkness. But the scripture over and over reminds us God's promises and the relation to who Jesus is and the light. First John, I love this, verses one, uh, chapter 1 verse 5 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim it to you that God is light. God is light and in him is no Darkness. The concept of darkness is a challenging one. The concept of darkness is still yet one that we understand. And what I think is interesting about Matthew 4, the verse that says, The people dwelling in darkness. The people dwelling in darkness. That word dwelling. It's not a word we use too often. It's not one that we use in, in common language. But what it actually means is a couple of means. And one of them means to abide. As if this concept to make darkness our home, this place where I reside, when all is said and done, I'll return to the darkness. And the darkness can literally mean a moral or a spiritual state. And darkness for you might mean different than someone seated next to you. For some, it might be this concept of some horrible sin area or addiction in your life. For others, it might be this looming crisis or catastrophe that is in front of us. But Regardless of what darkness means for you, there are so many people throughout life that have literally just decided to make darkness their home. But I don't think that that's God's plan for you, to abide in darkness. And I think the other thing that's interesting about the scripture, it says, for those dwelling in darkness, dwell, that word dwell, another way you could say that would be to sit. Just to sit down and get comfy at home, in darkness. I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of a systematically spontaneous person. <laughs> I'm a paradox in nature, and every time I come home, my first desire is to change into comfy clothes. Can I get an amen from some good people in the movement church? Anybody like that? Just let me get into something comfy. Like, and I said comfy, stop judging me comfy clothes, like just change into something that feels comfortable, that it's just normal. And so many people have decided to make darkness their home, to sit in, to make darkness normal, that it has become comfortable for them. And the problem with that is once darkness becomes normal, the light becomes scary or intimidating. It feels like the unknown. It's a challenging place to be, yet so many people live here. So frustrated, discouraged, besieged, without, hopeless, depressed, frustrated, angry at where I am, but yet 
when I look to where I want to go, I am not sure I can or know how to get there. And therefore, I choose to dwell in darkness. I wonder how many lives have been affected because people choose predictable pain rather than uncertain gain. I know the pain of the darkness in which I live. I know the pain and the frustration, but it has become normal to me. I don't know if you realize this, but when they're training elephants at the earliest age, when they're just babies, they'll tie a rope to their ankle and stake a peg in the ground. And as a child or an infant baby, it's unable to pull away from the rope or the peg. But as the elephant grows, it doesn't know or rather underestimates its own strength and is still bound by the knowledge that as a child I could not get away from this peg so they still merely have to tie a rope to the elephant's leg and stake a peg in the ground and it will think that it cannot get free. I wonder how many of us live life just like that and darkness has become our home. Some choose darkness. The, the idea of dwell is to choose darkness. Some uh, just have made it their home and, and others are born into it. Maybe they weren't raised in an environment where hope and future and destiny was spoken about, but rather the negativity and the problems and the complaints and the victim mentality of this is all we've ever had. This is as good as it gets. Some are born into it, but regardless of your nature, regardless of where and how you've experienced darkness, all of us have a desire for the light. All of us have a desire for hope. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into the hearts of men. In other words, God planted something innately, intrinsically inside of each of us that has a desire for the light. My mom told me a story as a young boy about a missionary family that went to the deepest jungles in South America. And this family was reaching out to a very indigenous tribe that was way back in the jungle that people didn't even know the language. And they were trying to bring the hope of who Jesus was. And along the way, many of the missionaries lost their lives to the violence and hostility of this indigenous tribe. But yet they stayed persistent trying to translate the Bible into the native tongue. And after years and years of work, Finally, the book of John was translated into the native tongue and they read the story. And when the missionaries got to the name of Jesus, the tribe leaders spoke up and sat up and their faces got bright and they said, wait, say that name again. Say, say that name again. And the missionaries read the name again and they grabbed the missionaries and the book and they ran out into the deepest parts of the jungle and they said, read that name again. And as the tribal leaders heard the name of Jesus read, they began to weep. And they said, this is the name the trees have been whispering for years. You see, even people that are in the remotest part of the earth, I don't know if that's a word, I just made it one. God has still planted eternity in their hearts and there's a desire to experience the light. And that was the beginning of that entire tribe coming to know the hope of who Jesus is. So regardless of what darkness you've walked in, Maybe it's choices that you or I have made or maybe it was something you or I were born into. There's still a desire for the light on the inside. There's still a desire for the light. Matthew 4 continues on in just this one verse. It says, and for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death. That's such an encouraging verse to read on this fine Sunday morning, isn't it? 
and for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death. Let's talk about the shadow of death. Doesn't that sound awesome? (laughs) The shadow of death. You know what's interesting about a shadow? A shadow is cast. A shadow is cast. So light is behind an object, and the object casts a shadow onto something else. Shadow really is really the absence of light. And so my question for you today is, what is casting a shadow on you right now? What's casting a shadow on you right now? For so many of us, it might be the shadow of fear. It's amazing to me how fear is crippling and suffocating the destinies of countless thousands and millions of people. A a great uh, author and a friend of mine wrote a great book, and and one of the things he statements he makes about fear is this, that fear destroys the present you do have by imagining the future you don't have. I think so many of us are crippled, literally rendered paralyzed by the fear of the unknown in front of us. And so we just just say, okay, I'm okay in the darkness that I'm experiencing. And that's because fear is casting a shadow on your life. It's casting a shadow of there's no potential ahead. And it also ruins the present that you're in. Another thing that fear casts a shadow of is failures. Let me ask a question. I want 100% honesty in this room, everyone telling the truth. Uh, I want you to raise your hand if this is you. How many of you in this room have ever failed? Would you raise your hand? Three of you didn't, and so you failed that test, so you now can raise your hand with me. And uh, listen, everyone has failed before, but failure has this ability to stop us in our tracks, doesn't it? Maybe you started a business and it didn't go like you thought it would and you now have this new dream inside of you but instead of starting you can only think back to the business that once failed. Maybe you were married once before and it was a horrible disaster and you're so afraid to connect again. Or maybe like so many and I believe this is the biggest challenge for those in relation to faith. You found yourself on the precipice of the greatest crisis of your life. Maybe it was a a diagnosis by a doctor, a letter from the IRS, a broken relationship with a child, a family member, or parents. And in a point of desperation from the depths of your heart, you say, God, I don't know what to do. Can you do a miracle here? And yet to your dismay, your hope the desired outcome did not become a reality. And weeks or months or years pass, and yet again you find yourself at the precipice of another crisis, another challenge, another frustration, and you step up to it because life consistently pushes you forward. And, and then you're about to mutter the prayer or muster the faith, and instantly instead of saying the words or believing that God can Instantly, you're reminded of the past and what did not happen. And we shrink back into darkness. Because once we want, what we once hoped for didn't become a reality, so therefore, it probably will not be a reality now. Fear casts a very big shadow. Failure casts a very big shadow. You know what else casts a very big shadow? The lies of the enemy. 
I don't know what you believe. And if you're here and you're new to this, permission not to believe. But as much as I believe that there's a God who loves you, created you, is giving you purpose, I believe there's an enemy who's out to destroy and take away everything that God wants to do miraculously and even normal in your life. And for some reason, we've decided along the way that his voice can become the loudest. And he doesn't even yell or scream, but he whispers to the sound of something like this. Why are you even praying? You failed before and you'll probably fail again. Here's one that I hear a lot. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. And the simple whispers of the enemy become the loudest sound in our minds. And then we begin to believe them as if they were a reality. And if it's not the voices of the enemy in our own mind, it's the people that we surround ourselves with. It's amazing to me that for some reason, we so often surround ourselves with people who constantly complain, are constantly cynical, are constantly pointing out the haves not and the what's not and what can't happen and where it won't go. And what, our nation's headed for disaster. Start prepping now and everything's going to blow up and all this stuff. And uh, we surround ourselves with these voices and they become so loud that it drowns out the hope that Jesus has for us. And it casts a shadow on our life. And that's why I love the Bible. I love the Bible because there's always an answer for the woes that the world presents to us. And in Philippians chapter four, it was written by a guy named Paul. He reminds us this. He says, hey, do not be anxious for anything. It's interesting. He didn't say about, it's okay to be anxious about some things. He didn't say it's okay to be anxious about a few. These are okay, but not, he said, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, everything, not a few things, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. I don't know what supplication means, so somebody else Google it. By prayer and supplication. First service laughed a lot harder in that one. <laughs> I do know what supplication means, but we'll talk about that next week. Uh, but, but, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, so which means with gratitude, to, to remind myself that even though there are things I don't like now, there is still so much for me to be grateful for. I'm so excited in a few months, we're taking 15, 16 people now to our feeding site in South Africa. And I'm just going to tell you right now, when you go to Swaziland and you see that this one warm meal of rice and a bean substance is the only great meal they'll get all day, there's a lot to be grateful for. That's what the scriptures are reminding. Don't be anxious. But with an attitude of gratitude to come to God and say, hey, this is what I'm walking through now. Verse 7 says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that, my friends, is probably one of the most powerful verses you can read. Because what he never says, what the scripture never says, is that life will get perfect. The scripture never says that everything will always be okay. If you believe that, then you're more of an idealist than I am. What the scripture is saying is that you can experience peace in the midst of crisis and the peace of God which surpasses all knowledge all reason all logic all experiences all failures all fears will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and then Paul changes the tune for a moment and he says in verse 8 finally brother so you've heard all this 
but you're still going to struggle with hearing the lies of the enemy. So let me help counter that thought. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And listen, my friends, this is not the filter through which most people look at life. This is a choice. And I'm afraid that too often life casts the shadows of cynicism, doubt, failure, and fear. And if we don't remind ourselves of the hope that God has for us, then that sound will become more of a reality than God's promises for us. And so I ask again, what's casting a shadow on you right now? There's a few things that you need to know. Number one, a shadow is larger than the object casting it. So often we look at the shadow as reality, but it's not. I think we have an image that perfectly depicts this for you today. First of all, no one should ever own a cat. I heard a comedian once say that the only difference between a cat and stuffed animals is blinking. But isn't this a a depiction of reality for us? We're facing crisis and this is what we see. The silhouette and the shadow of this, this thing that's trying to devour us, but in reality, it's just an itty bitty little kitty cat. Tiny little kitty cat. We see great challenge, mighty roar. It's an itty bitty little kitty cat. challenges that you're facing. Listen, I'm not trying to undermine what you're walking through. I'm not saying that the challenges that we face aren't painful or even devastating, but they only have the power in your life that you give it. So stop looking at the scenario before you and painting the picture of a lion when really it's a kitty cat and God has great plans for you still. Are you tracking with me today? A shadow is always larger than the object casting it. A a Swedish proverb says that worry often gives small things a big shadow. Sometimes the shadow that is cast is from our past, but God has something great for you. There's another Bible verse that talks about shadows. I think most of you probably know it's found in Psalm 23. You've probably heard it. It goes something like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I love this. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And what? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Let me tell you another thing about shadows. A shadow isn't actually a thing. It's nothing. It's the absence of light. It's really just a shadow. It's a shadow. So stop giving the shadows that are being cast in your life more power than they actually have. I love this scripture, Matthew chapter 4. This verse isn't about darkness and this verse isn't about the shadow of death the verse is about the last statement the last sentence 
The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them light has dawned. You know what that means? Light has dawned. The message translation says, they watch the sun rise, which means even if you have chosen to make darkness your home, which means even if the decisions that you have gone through, the things that you've walked through in life, you have decided to get comfy in the midst of darkness or whether you were born into it. It means that if life is casting the shadow of fear, failure, rejection, dejection, depression, anger, frustration, regardless of what you walk through, regardless of your heritage, that God still has a desire to dawn a new day in your life. The fact the Bible says that this is a brand new season. A new day is rising. That's God's promises for you. So this isn't a story about darkness. This is a story about hope. This is a story about God's promises for you. Enter the story of the disciples which we read in the beginning of this very service. The disciples are in a very, very tricky situation. They just spent the last three years of their life following this man named Jesus, whom they believe, and I do too, to be the Son of God, the Messiah, hope for all mankind. Excited for him to establish his kingdom and become the great one that they know that he is. All of a sudden, three years into the journey, the narrative shifts. The narrative changes. He's arrested. Beaten, spit on and mocked. The Bible says he was hit so hard that as they hit his face that it ripped the beard from his face. All he did was preach love and hope and grace. Imagine being in the disciples' shoes. Now you and I know the story, but this was unfolding in live time for them. They weren't watching this on Hulu and Netflix, being able to pause and fast forward. It was in the moment. Jesus arrested? They're hiding out in the midst of homes and covering over the windows and the doors. (laughs) What is happening? All he did was preach love. And he healed the sick. The lame would walk and the blind would see. Jesus stood before a fake tribunal and the judge delivered the sentence, crucify him. The disciples had no clue what to expect. Picked up the cross and he walked down the streets of Jerusalem to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And they crucified him and he died. Many of you know the story. Three days later, the Bible says, and I believe with all my heart that he was risen, defeating death. And after that moment, he appeared before the disciples and he talked to them. But now it's been weeks. The narrative changed so much. The disciples hadn't seen him in in many, many days, in fact. And and what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. And, And now they're consumed with darkness. They were with Jesus for years, but they're consumed with darkness. And this, the shadows of fear and the shadows of failure are cast so large upon them, they don't know what to do. Peter says, I'm going fishing. 
What you may or may not know is that was Peter's occupation. So for Peter to go fishing, it wasn't like he was going to hang out with the boys, drink some Bud Light, and sit on a boat. He was going back to what he knew. Normal and mundane. He was being driven by the shadows of life. Paralyzed. Becoming captive to what he once was instead of stepping into who God had called him to be. And Jesus shows up on the shore. Hey, did you catch any fish? No. That's your fisherman. Did you catch any fish? No, we didn't catch any fish. Gosh, why does he keep asking this question? He had a long boat. They would lean over the side and they would drop some nets and they would pull it in. That's how they would capture the fish. They weren't casting a line. Four or five guys to man one net. Sitting in the boat of obscurity. Covered by a shroud of shadows. Engulfed in darkness of life. And Jesus says, hey, cast your net on the opposite side. And they do and pull up so much fish they can't even haul it in. Peter jumps in the water and swims up to Jesus. It was in that moment that Peter stepped out of the shadows of life and into the fullness God had for him. And I think that's what's so unique. Look him in the eyes and lean in for just a moment more. That's what's so unique about Jesus. When Jesus is involved, you can cast a net with what was meant to cast a shadow on you. The shadows of obscurity. The shadows of fear and failure. The shadows of discouragement and rejection. The darkness of poor choices and addictions. The darkness of failed marriages. The darkness of broken relationships. And when Jesus enters the scene, he takes the very thing that was meant to cast a shadow in your life and it becomes a story of hope for someone else. See, Jesus told the disciples, hey, I've called you to be fishers of men. And that's when our story and the narrative of our life begins to change because what was once meant to be or feel or dominate us as failure has now become a future. What was once a defeat has now become the essence and the signs of dedication. What was once fear has now become freedom. And what was once broken is now an example of breakthrough. Those, my friends, are the stories that the people in our world need to hear. I once was bound by fear, but now I've experienced freedom through Christ because of who He is. I once was a broken individual. If you knew my story, where I've come from, the choices I've made, then you would know I don't deserve, but because of Jesus, because He changed the narrative, I pulled out of darkness, and as the Bible says, into His glorious light, and now I've got breakthrough. And guys, that's the message that our world needs. This isn't just my story, but it's yours. And this is the very essence of what Jesus does. He takes what was meant to cast a shadow on our life, and through shifting the narrative and walking through freedom, we begin to cast a net for people who need to experience the hope of who Jesus is. And we don't just do that one time. We don't just do it on a Sunday. 
We do that with our lives until all have heard. That is the church. And I don't know what type of church experience you are used to. In fact, I feel like part of my biggest challenge as a pastor is debunking the myth of what church is. Church is not meant to be some place where perfect people align to sing songs and move and hear an inspirational message and then live life. Church should feel like the emergency room of a hospital where people who are blind and broken and bound, maybe not physically, maybe metaphorically, and maybe both, and can walk into a community of faith, not that it's just a preacher saying words, but of people just like you and me who say, hey, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. That is the job and the role and the prerogative. Of someone who says, I am a Christ follower. And we don't just do this once. Or when it feels good, we live this life until all have heard. Changing the world one person at a time. So jump in this journey. Don't be a spectator. It's okay. Some of you even right now, listen to me already feel overwhelming sense of being disqualified and not knowing what to say or what steps to take, just journey with us, we'll help you. But can I just tell you that the very thing that you feel disqualifies you, God wants to qualify you to preach the hope of who Jesus is. Because he takes what was meant to cast a shadow on our life and uses that to cast a net for all of mankind. How many of you in this room with a show of hands, with no fear, would say, you know what, I've lived in some darkness and I'm ready to step into some light? Would you raise your hand? Awesome, hands everywhere. I want to pray for us right now. Can we do that? Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. God, the truth is we, we're just not enough without you. And all of us, or many of us, know the feeling of just being overwhelmed with darkness And to have life cast shadows of fear and failure. The lies of the enemy, of past, of rejection. And God, we want to shift the narrative by stepping into the fullness that you have for us. No longer bound by the shame and the concern of yesterday. By stepping into the fullness that you have for our tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, look at me for one minute. Some of you are here and you need to begin the journey with Jesus. Guys, there's a starting point. It's not church membership. It's not the friends that you have in your circle. It's have you begun a journey with Jesus. In a moment, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that with no embarrassment. This is a decision you make right here in your heart. And it's not to eradicate your past because you can't do that. It's not to try to change every component of your life right now in this moment. It's simply to say yes to Jesus. And if you've never done that, in a moment, you'll have a chance. No embarrassment. Nobody has to know you have. You need to know. Even if you feel separated from God. Even if you feel like your past is so dark that God couldn't possibly love you. You need to know the Bible says that God offered Jesus 
as the payment of the ransom for our sin. That he loves you exactly where you are, exactly as you are. So much that Jesus lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death on the cross. Closing the gap for mankind and paving a road for you to shift the narrative of the story of your life, stepping out of the shadows and darkness and into the light and the hope of who Jesus is. But there's a starting point. In a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer and right where you're seated, if you've never made this decision, then I challenge you, I dare you to boldly in your heart repeat the prayer after me. Look at me in the eyes. Some of you have been running from God and playing with your faith. Today's the day to stop it and come running back to him. So if you're here and you've never made this decision or if you're here and you've been running, then as I pray right where you're seated, just repeat this after me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want nobody moving around just for a moment of reverence. If you're here and you've never made this decision or you're here and today's the day to come running back to God, then right where you're seated, just repeat this simple prayer after me to say, dear God, I know that you love me. I feel engulfed by darkness. I want to experience your light. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus. Just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.